Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm Mark Shaw, and I have Oliver Underwood. That's a cool name, Oliver. I've been on this cool name kick for a while. But Oliver Underwood in Bothell, Washington, or wherever you are right now, he runs the Damascus House, and they just opened one for women. We're going to have those ladies on the podcast in, in a few weeks or so, I hope. And so uh, you want to tell us a little bit about your ministry there, just a, kind of a blip, a summary? Yeah, so the Damascus House um, is a six to nine month uh, biblical discipleship program. And I, I say that uh, to be very specific, that it's not a rehab, it's not a treatment center. Oftentimes we do get people that uh, are coming here um, struggling with substance use, uh, abuse and things like that. But really, as we know, I mean, it's it's a deeper worship issue. It's it's that's just a manifestation of a deeper problem. So, yeah, it's it's an intimate, intense discipleship ministry. We have uh, a capacity of eight beds at the men's house and at the women's house. Um, and then we also have a graduate program that holds four. And we also I have cur- currently have two interns as well. So we have uh, 14 men on the wow. property that are being discipled currently. So yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful program. Um, yeah, we, we are attached, uh, to our church. We're a ministry of Canyon Hills community church. We're not a standalone ministry, which I love. We're a local church ministry, not a parish mm-hmm. ministry. Um, and the Lord, um, you know, I've, I've been a part of different ministries and the Lord has really, it's obvious to me that he's stirred in the hearts of the people in this area and such a dark place to stir in the hearts of the people in this church to get behind a ministry like this with, with everything they have is just a, a a grace of the Lord. So, yeah, and and in a very dark place. I mean, Washington State is, um, man. The times I visited, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that wow, how yeah. absent the gospel is in in just you know because I live in an area where I often see people praying at meals and restaurants and you know and I see kind of a faith worked out just even in the community and you guys just don't quite have that there. I mean, it's a different culture. It, so, is, it yeah. definitely is very, very liberal, um, very autonomous. You know, this is the area people know, you know, during COVID that we had Chaz, the autonomous zone where um, we moved the police out of their police station and people, people were rioting and burning buildings down and it was, it was crazy, you know? And so, but, but um what a great place to shine light. You know, it shines the brightest in the darkest areas, right? Yeah. Well, and and that goes to your point. I mean, God's dropped you guys and your church your church and your ministry, they're, they're combined. It's not like you're a standalone. But you, God's dropped this right there in the very dark area where all these shenanigans and things are going on that you just talked about. And, and it's God's grace to, to the people there. And and I know people don't see it or get it, but that's not our problem. And I'm just grateful you guys are there because it's 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 nice to have a place to refer people to uh, on the West Coast. There just aren't many. We we need to to see more places uh, pop up that are biblical like you guys. So thanks for what you're doing there. Yeah. No, we're so excited and, and grateful to be here, and um, especially now that the women's program is open. You know that I that's been prayed about for over 10 years here um, in this area. And we just, just opened the doors a few months ago. We got our first couple of ladies in this week 
and um, excited to see what God's going to do in their lives. We know he's a God of transformation and, and uh, yeah, we get to have a front row seat and watching God work. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's all exciting and, uh, and uh, leads me into this uh, critique that we're going to do of episode five called the whistleblower. It's this dope sick series on Hulu, a Hulu original as they call it. And you're going to help me kind of talk through some of these issues. We'll talk about some of the themes. And I have to do a disclaimer each time that I tell people, don't watch the series. Don't watch it. It's There are stomach-turning themes and ideas and the language and the, the realistic picture of drug addiction. And so I can't recommend it with a clear conscience to anybody to watch. All you need to do is watch our podcast and we'll talk about it and bring out the themes. Um, it is a very well done show. Michael Keaton is one of the main actors, Rosario Dawson. There are some others that just do a great job in it. So cinematically, production-wise, great. But again, the themes, the ideas, it's a worldly show. It's not a biblical show. But the reason we think this is important to talk about is it brings up some themes and ideas that as Christians, we need to be discerning and thinking biblically about. And so that's why I've asked Oliver to help me with this episode five. It's the whistleblower is the one. And I want to start with scripture uh, real quick. First John chapter four, starting in verse seven says this, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And then verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. I love the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's one of my favorite things about uh, Christian teaching and, and, and my experience in life is that God's spirit lives in me and in you. I mean, it's awesome. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now, the reason I, I talk about this, and we'll allude to this throughout this episode, is characters in our fictional account we're critiquing fictional characters in a fictional show not real people but they base this show on uh, real people so there are some real names but we're critiquing the fictional account here but they aren't loving one another because they're not loving god now they're driven in this one and we'll see as we talk about the whistleblower they're driven uh to do a right thing and a good thing but, you know, when you're driven to do a right thing and you don't have the love of God compelling you to do it, motivating you to do it, it it's really, um, it, it's just an empty work. I mean, it it may do some good in this life, 
but it's not bringing glory to God. It's not for that purpose. And and that's what you do at Damascus House is, is you're helping people to see that you've got to live for Jesus. Anything else that you're you're motivated by, if it's not motivated by a love of, for Jesus, uh, it's it's just rubble. It's it's empty. And I know you probably want to speak to that, so I'll let you talk. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't know that I could say it better than you, but when you were talking, I was thinking about um, Ecclesiastes, right? And you said rubble, empty, Solomon calls it vanity, and that word is actually smoke. Like it's it's just something that isn't, it's not, you can't grab onto. You can see that there's something out there, but when you reach for it, you can never own it. You know, it's never yours. Yeah. It's empty. And I was thinking about I um when Solomon writes that there's that section where he says, I, I used this and this and this, and he goes on and on and on. I used everything that I had for me. And in the end, yeah, it was smoke. It was empty, you know. And so, um, yeah. in other words, I never had purpose. I mean, that's that's kind of what he's saying. It was for nothing, you know. And so, um, yeah. yeah, many of the people that men that come here feel that way, and, and I think that's God's grace and His kindness, kind of leading them towards repentance. Is like, well, what's the point? And they're right. What is the point? It's a great question to ask. So, yes, yeah. yes. Well, all right. On this episode, starts in 2002 with a woman who's talking about her dead daughter. Her grandson's in the room, and he he said, "You know, mommy changed when she was on the the pill." And and this woman is going to be a key player in this episode. Um, boy, wasn't it heartbreaking to see this little boy sitting there and saying, "You know, mommy changed when she was on the pill." Of course. It's fictional, and that's his line. And and some kids as young as him don't pick up on it. So, some do, but yeah. man, I, I just they always start with like a heartbreaking yeah. uh, theme to me. It just kills yeah. me. Yeah, I like that they put that in there because, um, and it was you know the mom and the and the grandson. He looked cleaned up. I mean, he it's not like he was living on the streets. He looked like he was well taken care of. And I thought, what a great picture to paint that. Addiction isn't like something that people struggle with who are just on the streets of Seattle and Portland, right? I mean, like mothers and yeah. doctors and lawyers and all, anybody um, can end yes. up getting caught up in in addiction, you know? Um, one thing that stuck out to me, and I, I don't necessarily have an answer for this or a conclusion on this, but there are things that stuck out to me in the show. And one of the, one of the things in that scene was that – the mom was telling the guy, and I don't know everybody's names in there, but the, but the mom who lost her daughter was telling the guy, man, she was such a good mom. She was so good. Mm. And then the little boy says, mommy changed when she took oxys. You know, that he say, made that statement. And the mom right. looked shocked. Like, like she looked surprised by the kid's statement, like almost like she didn't even know what was going on in their lives. And then all of a sudden her daughter's dead. You know, it's just a really, yeah. that's reading way into it, but it was just interesting how they portrayed, you know, when I, when I watched the show again last night, just to be refreshed, you know, have a fresh memory of it. Um, I was thinking to myself the whole time, what message are these guys trying to push in every scene? Yeah. Because I guarantee you it's intentional, everything, you know, yeah. so <laughs> I don't know what the message was there, but uh, it was just an interesting dynamic between the grandson and the mom and losing the daughter. And um, yeah, I, again, I think this is a really well-filmed um, season. They did a really good job. Obviously, again, I'm not um, 
saying everybody should go watch it. It definitely is a hard thing to watch and um, definitely with not no children around for sure. So, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, that, you know, you're, you're, that's what I like about this show is here you have a grandmother. She's an excellent mother, like you said. And the son, the, the son's like, eh, not really. I mean, she changed with the pill, you know, and, and that dynamic and the, you know, the, the tensions they put in this show, it's great. I mean, yeah. and it makes you think like, well, wow, this kid saw it, you know, he saw it. And, and I don't like the message that mommy changed that that's the message that your brain's rewired when you go on drugs. You, you and I know we need Jesus from minute one of day one of our lives, right? Drugs doesn't, you know, drugs didn't make us need Jesus more than we needed him on, on day one. And I've heard you say that. And I, I love when you say that in your testimony, but this, uh, this tension that that's the, the motive and they do have a, a, agendas. Uh, you're right for sure about, about all this. So, yeah. yeah. So Marianne Skolik is this grandmother's name and she's working tirelessly. She's trying to, I get people to listen to her. And finally, these, um, the attorney general, or I don't know the right, you know, their right title, but those guys in Virginia, Rick Mountcastle is the one I really like. Um, they finally call back and she starts to cry and she's like, no one's ever called me back, you know? And, and so again, another depiction of the sadness and the loneliness uh, in this, but you and I have a local church to say, Hey, our churches want to help people. I mean, I, I have a church that wants to help people. You do too. And, yeah. and give them community and, and make them, you know, we're doing a, a Monday night family care group for family members who have addicted loved ones. And just the fact that we're meeting together and, and we're using the, the TAC curriculum stuff to, to do that group. It's a 12 week study. I'm telling you, people didn't want to leave. They want to meet next week, and um, there's just such a loneliness there. And so her crying on the phone, I thought, you know, he's like, ma'am, are you still there? Did we get cut off? And she's like, she's like, she's crying because he answered the phone. Yeah, no, for sure. When, when she when she said that, and right, you know, it, it it's neat how they show the timelines, like 2001, 2002, like she'd been at this for years, and nobody had yeah. responded to her and it made me think of it, it almost portrays this i this um this thought that uh concept that there's, there's a ton of people that are accomplices to this issue you know there mm -hmm. there's the girl they interview later on that says she signed a paper you know to get her severance pay she's an accomplice whether she wants they don't want to say that or not she's part of the problem they everybody who's not whistleblowing is a part of the problem right. because they're protecting self the whole time. They're afraid that Purdue is going to come after them. And so yes. at the cost of everybody else, they protect self. There's a, there's a lot of worship going on in this show. A lot of worship. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, that's why I wanted to read first uh, John four about love, because if you're not whistleblowing, you're not loving you're, you're self protecting like what you're saying and you're worshiping yourself and you're right it's an act of worship when you're when you're protecting yourself and your own interests rather than loving god and loving others and doing what's right mm -hmm. very good yeah worship 
Worship. Brought worship into it. We're a bunch of worshipers. <laughs> we are. We are. It, whether we're born again or not, people are worshiping. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we see it. Well, so they show Betsy stealing. They show Dr. Phoenix, which is Michael Keaton's character. He's up to 400 milligrams a day. And he just says it sort of nonchalantly, right? Just like, yeah, I'm a 400. And the other guy is looking like, whoa, 400 milligrams a day. I mean, what a habit. You know, and yeah. Betsy's stealing her mother's jewelry and selling it and turning to prostitution. And uh, just that whole depiction, again, that's why it's hard to watch, mm-hmm. is uh, this is ugly stuff going on here and, and unrighteousness. And we don't need to see all that to know it exists. But when you do see it, you think, oh, Lord, help help us all. And and it 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 should break your heart for people. That's that's what I'm hoping. Um, yeah. uh, so. Any thoughts about that? You've yeah. seen people go to lots of extent along, uh, 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 you know, those places before. Yeah. Uh, for to keep their addiction. Yeah, going. yeah, I definitely uh, have seen that. I mean, that 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 is normal. Sadly, in the realm of addiction, is when you get to that point where you want what you want, no matter what. You know, um, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. But I don't think. I think maybe it's magnified a little bit when it comes to addiction because you're under the influence of a substance. Like it, it, there is a, a biological mm. component going on there. It's, you know, it's like people call what alcohol liquid courage, right? Something changes there. You don't, all of your senses go out the window yeah. and you don't have self-control and you say, bring it on when five big dudes are coming at you. Very foolish, right? Very foolish. So, <laughs> but what I don't want to say is that, that it's not like it's only an addiction where that's happened. You know, even even the word says, you know, right. later in the, in the last days that sons are going to turn against fathers and mothers. And and that it, it's it's. It's that that nature of wrath that everybody has apart from being born again without giving that new nature that we are always mm-hmm. kicking and uh, against the Lord and his holiness. And so one thing I, I, I want to draw out in this scene took a couple notes on it about when she's selling her mom's wedding ring and, and she turns to prostitution, which is just super sad, super sad. Um, I, I think it, it'd be dangerous to really focus in on how bad things are getting when she's an addict, when she was sleeping with that girl for years and hiding it from her parents. Anyway, she's always lived a double life. She's always lied. Right. She, she was always willing to, to sacrifice her parents and her family's rep- reputation for her own pleasure. So this isn't new. It's just magnified. It, it's not being held back anymore because in a sense, you have that liquid courage to just move forward carelessly. And yes. so I, I thought that was a good thing to draw out is this isn't a new thing. It's not like um, all of a sudden everything has gone south now that she's using drugs. She's been worshiping mm-hmm. herself her entire life. Now it's just a little bit more freely practiced. So I thought I thought that was an important part um, about understanding that this girl Betsy ha- has really been chasing after the desires, her own personal desires, her entire life. It's not new. Yeah, man, excellent, excellent point. Mm-hmm. That I think uh, I, I think it helps our viewers and listeners to to get the point here that addiction isn't this supersized sin. You know, yes, it's it's 
treated differently by our culture. And I say treated, not meaning treatment, but like handled and thought of. But really, you and I know it's a heart desire problem. Yes, the physical part of it, the enslavement part of it, some of those things are different. But she needed Jesus a long time before she ever started selling her mother, stealing her mother's jewelry and selling it um, and turning to prostitution. I mean, she, this life of deception is is really what you see a lot, isn't it, with with people in, in drug addiction, they they have kind of two identities almost, or they strive to to wear a mask and to hide it uh, so well. Yeah, no, absolutely. The Richie Sackler, he is laughed at. He wants to be president. And I think the show is pushing the agenda like he's driven to be the best Sackler ever, better than Uncle Arthur even was. And, and and they're showing his drive and his pursuit. He wants to launch this new 160 milligram pill, and he wants to be president of Purdue Pharma and bring in billions of profits. And his the the uh, I believe that's his uncle just laughs at him, and they put him down. Um, and and you know it it it's funny to me like that he, he's worshiping self. Richard Sackler, right? He's wanting to be the biggest, the baddest Sackler ever, and yet he's never going to get it. You know, in the pursuit of of worldly things, uh, pride of life, in that case, he's just never going to get it. And um, and, and we got to be, we got to find satisfaction in who we are, who God made us in Jesus Christ. And I think about people who really struggle with um same sex issues or even wanting to be a different gender than what they were when they were born people want to to they're dysphoric they're 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 um confused and uncomfortable with who they are and richard sackler is that guy he's not satisfied he's not comfortable with who he's, he is uh he'll never be uncle arthur but yet he wants to be uncle arthur and better and so this empty worship full pursuit of his own identity and who he wants to be he's not satisfied with how god made him and and who he is you know in christ because he doesn't know christ do you have thoughts or comments about that yeah yeah no well i mean it goes back to i think your first john passage talking about love you know if you look at richard any of the relationships he have it doesn't matter if it's brother his brother or i i don't know if she's a cousin or something like that, the one who he names vice president, the lady in there, you see her, him connecting with her. But the only reason why he connected with her was so that she would vote with him to become president. She made, he he made her vice president and he ended up paying out both sides of the board so that they're happy and things like that. So Richard isn't talking to anybody except for himself and worshiping Mm -hmm. himself. You know, you brought up, uh, you know, the, the pride of life. Right. And I thought about that scripture so much when I was watching this, trying to identify areas as a counselor, right? What, you know, everybody and all of us, we struggle with all three of those things, but there's always right. That that dominating one that kind of sticks out more than others. And we're talking about love. Well, if you, if you go back a couple of chapters in first John, first John two, starting in verse 15 says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And mm. yeah, he he 
he all of the characters in this show i'm like man this is a wonderful not a wonderful it's a very clear portrayal of the world i think they do a really good job you know that was that was the notes i put in here too not just richard every character in the story almost every single one is immoral every single one even the heroes You know, the the woman that works for the DEA that's in charge of the diversion unit or whatever, you know, before she gets married, she's yep. living with this guy forever in a previous episode. You know, every every yeah. character in there, whether they're the heroes or not, are are living for self. Um, you know, the attorney, mm-hmm. one of the main inspector or uh Yeah. Uh, well, you know who I'm talking about. I forget his name, not Rick, but the other it's guy. Rick Mount Mount Castle and the yep. other guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there was a really interesting scene that I just had to stop and I rewound it and I asked my wife, I said, what do you think about this? It was almost exactly a minute long, which is interesting. And it was a scene where him and his partner were sitting in an ice cream parlor late at night and the, the subject of conversion and religion comes up. That's the, that's all they talk about in that whole scene. And I was thinking about what are they trying to portray in this movie? And the right. guy said he's converted eight years ago, but the other guy said he's never been a religious man. And he was the one that brought up the conversation. And I was thinking to myself, as somebody who loves to evangelize people, this is like an evangelist yeah. dream. Like the stage is set. He's asking you about whether you believe, you know, how long you've believed and I'm not religious. And it's like, okay, share the gospel with him. And the guy's just casually yeah. eating his ice cream, not interested in sharing anything. And he said something that I thought was really interesting. So he says, why did you convert? And he just said, I just want to be a better person. I just mm. want to be a better person. So mm. religion has nothing to do with worshiping the Lord. That's what they're portraying in this show. It has everything to do with right. worshiping self and making you a better person. It's really interesting. Right. A lot of the, yeah. I know we're kind of bouncing around a little bit, but these are some of the messages that they're, they're preaching to the viewers. Yes. You know? Yeah, that's, you know, that's my trouble with my unbelieving uh, loved ones in my life. We'll just say loved ones is they see Christianity portrayed on TV by most televangelists as come to Christ because you're going to be a better person. It's going to help you. It's going to serve you. And you and I know it's it's not about that. It's about me coming to Christ and serving him and becoming more like Christ, which makes me a better person. Sure, that's a byproduct, but that's not the drive. That's that's what you're hitting on there. That's an excellent point. I mean, Mount Castle seems to be the most Christian person, and yet, you know, in real life, he may be a, a solid believer. We're critiquing the the fictional portrayal here, of, you know, of of real people, but I'd love to meet him sometime and just kind of, um, you know, just, I I'd love to know him and, and really get to, to see, you know, cause I'm sure he's probably like, yeah, they didn't portray me real well there. <laughs> you know, at least I hope, I hope if he's a true believer, but a moral guy and, and one of the few Christian characters, but they're portraying Christianity, even with the family, you know, in, in the last episode, we didn't talk about this, but in episode four, the family, the dad is saying, Betsy, you know, we, we love you just as you are, you know, that, and in Christian circles, we sing just as I am, you know, we come to Jesus just as I am. And he's saying, we love you just as you are, but 
there's and the immorality of that is we love you. You can continue in your sin and your immorality. We love you and accept you just as you are, which is not the the biblical Christian message at all. No, no, that's that's uh, when when Jesus came, he preached repentance. That's the gospel, you know, and he came so that people would turn from their sin and believe in him, not yeah. put him and what he offers in their backpack and continue on the same path. Yeah, right. he came to transform. It's a completely different road. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's good. Well, then they've got Purdue pushing uh, these reps to sell OxyContin and you know, and so they start Rick and Randy, these two uh, investigators, they're more prominent in this episode than I, than uh, in others. They're sifting through notes and they're looking for, for things that uh, they can uh, use in their case, you know, and looking for instances of drug abuse being reported to the, the execs because they've got to go after the execs and say these top guys knew, they knew. And right now they don't have that kind of evidence. Um, yeah. What what were you thinking when you saw uh, this part of it? What were some of your thoughts? As far as yeah, them trying to hunt down these executives and 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 all of that. Um, I, I think, yeah, I don't even know how to respond to that to that question. Going after executives, I mean, I think it was good. Um, something that I thought was really interesting was uh, I was kind of giving Lisa the backstory because she hadn't seen some of the previous episodes and you know, when they're in your office and you look around and they're in a warehouse now, right. So they can hold all of the files that Purdue gave them. And so their search during this episode is like looking for a needle in a haystack. They're not going to find anything. But one of the things that did jump out to me is the Christian character. However, they portrayed him in here. You start to Mm -hmm. see getting cold towards people, even his partner. Where he come, his partner comes yeah. in for the meeting. Here, got you guys some donuts. He's like, uh, "Let's be on time next time," you know. And and you see this rigidity yeah. and this coldness. Um, and it's just yeah. interesting how they keep yeah. painting this guy like he's being consumed with his job versus loving the people around him. You know, he kind of gets yeah. caught up in that. Um, so I thought it was mm-hmm. great. Again, I think they uh, they did a great job filming and really having people just show different responses to going through trial and and struggles um so that was something that that jumped out to me and then when they um finally did find right the whistleblower you know the lady i forget her name um but she was a secretary right yeah maureen maureen Maureen. sarah that's right and her one of the executives her a job of digging in a little bit as an anonymous to see what are people saying online about this thing? And as she's doing all that research, yeah. she's finding out like this is clearly yeah. abused. It's not hidden at all. People are crushing it and snorting it and using it and selling it. And it's it's clearly addictive. It's, you know, and so that's where that's where yeah. starts getting exposed. Um, and then she, she ends up sending that, which is interesting. That's it's kind of a neat part of the story where she's thinking about who to send it to. And she sends it to all of the executives, the email, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyways, it's just yep. neat how that was, how it played out, you know, kind of had to be on the edge of your seat. <laughs> it, it did. Yeah. Yeah. She's the secretary of this attorney. 
And I think it's 1999 at this point, and she's sending them all her research of drug abuse and, and addiction and uh, and attaching it to them. And um, it's kind of a, a, a breakthrough moment. They're really happy about it. But then they find out she has addiction issues, too. Mm-hmm. And then and then she has a breakdown not long after that, and they realize we can't utilize her and and i think like that ties into your point about this christian guy mountcastle as the character portrayed in the show but he is feeling the pressure of life and he's doing a big thing he's doing a noble thing and yet he's being cold to the people around him mm-hmm. and he's he's failing and and i think about her maureen you know the pressure she's feeling and the 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 gravity of the situation and now she's going back to you know drugs and alcohol and, and and living that way and and it's like that's what you're doing at Damascus house you're teaching people to deal with stress deal with suffering deal with pain emotional pain by running to Christ and his people yeah. you know the body of Christ it's not just oh I got to run to Jesus let me pray it's I've got people in my life now a local church like Canyon Hills where I can go and and find community and deal with it rather than turn to something else that's going to temporarily make me forget it, but it's going to only make the problem worse, really, in the long run. And yeah. um, and they do a good job of showing people running to these broken cisterns. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was one of the quotes that I pulled from there during that time when she's struggling and they go to the hospital and you see them kind of, you know, she, she asks them to leave the room because she's, she's kind of losing her stuff, you know, and, and they yeah. come out. One of the, the guys says she's relapsing from the stress. And that made me think about the, again, this is all part of that teaching the the, the medical model of the disease model. Like we can't stress these addicts out because they're just going to go right back to drugs. We need yeah. to be careful. They have, you know, a disorder and it's something they can't help. So we need to make sure to treat them a certain way in order for them not to go back to their old life. Where as if she had had a heart change mm-hmm. and she knew where her, her and her hope wasn't misplaced in the temporary, she could have gone through that, giving God the glory and a greater mm-hmm. testimony about why her life had changed. Not that she was just practicing sobriety still, but that her her life was completely new. Second Corinthians 5.17, right? Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Old things have gone, new things have come. And so I think, I think again, this is one of the messages that they're, they're teaching is once an addict, always an addict, you know, and yeah. anything can trigger them a little bit of stress, a little bit of hard times. And it's like, are they, is anybody ever going to face times in their life that are hard? <laughs> the world is fallen. Life is hard. You know, this is, this is reality, you know, and, but Christ, yeah. he gives you eyes to see his sovereignty and he and um when you trust in who he is and that he's a good father and he, and he disciplines those that he loves and he provides trials to to train us up and grow us then love's yeah. behind everything going back to yeah. your first John thing you know that that is so good um because that's the the crux of the difference in what you and I believe with the Addiction Connection, Damascus House, all the programs and people associated with our ministry, the crux of the message, the difference is 
We believe it's an internal heart desire problem. The problem is in here, and it's not called a disease because even that is is taught really from an extern externality viewpoint. And, and you and I aren't responsible to try to create a stress-free environment for all the addicted people in the world so that they don't relapse and get triggered. And I can't control that. There's nothing I can do for somebody else. What we teach them is genuine heart change happens, and then you handle those stressors, which are going to happen, like you said, in a broken, fallen, sin-cursed world. They're going to happen. You've got to be able to think differently and have a different belief system, really, and, and believe differently and think and emote and act in a different way based on an internal change, the internality of that. And they're pushing the agenda of, you know, stressors uh, make yeah. people go back to it. And Phoenix, Dr. Phoenix, which is Michael Keaton's character, is is in the same uh, mode here as he's preparing to do a surgery but he's feeling the effects of the of the oxys and he botches the procedure and and then he goes to the hospital and and he acts shady you know to the doctor there like hey can you write me some like he's not even caring about the the guy that he's trying to help that he messed up and he was trying to do the procedure and he botched it he doesn't care about that he cares about hey you're a doctor can you prescribe me some drugs and and his his you know his uh, selfishness there alerts, and that guy is alert to go. This this man needs to be arrested. There's something going on here. I thought that was a really compelling part. Of course, Michael Keaton's a great actor. He he pulls it off well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know too that uh, his character in there, even as a doctor, that you know they try to paint him as this community doctor that just cares for the welfare of everybody. In fact, every place he goes, he's checking in on his patients, right? But then we have that scene of him, right. Betsy, saying, you know what, you let me help you do whatever you want to do. So he's not a moral man. So all this is doing again, his no. drugs are magnifying, projecting what's already been going inside of his heart the entire time with just no reservations. So that's all you're right. saying is just no reservations. Um, one of the things, you know, after he goes there. The doctor spots it like, hey, there's something going on. Then his his uh, nurse from his office shows up with the bag of pills, empty pill bottles. He's been using all of his patients' pills. Well, he gets arrested. Yeah. And then there's a scene later on where he ends up in um, a, a rehab, right, a treatment center. Um, and one of the things that that jumped out to me is as soon as he walks in and there's one of the assistance there that's showing him around where the place is and checking things out the the screen pans the camera pans to a sign on the wall i don't know if you notice that and it stops mm -hmm. and he looks at it and it says quote we are not bad people trying to be all in caps good okay mm -hmm. so focus on those words we are sick people trying to get all in caps well good and well and the message that they're trying to talk about there again and you all you need to do is go on any website this is not a moral failing in other words this is not sin addiction is not a sin issue it's a sickness it's a disease and even in the film even though it was subtle it's indoctrinating people and and reinforcing what's already being said even with a little sign on the wall remember you are good deep down you're really good 
you're just sick and you need help, which is ironic that that's the, you know, um, you know, the show is all about, you know, these doctors trying to help people and giving them more drugs. Well, what are we doing today? You know, it hasn't stopped. It's all, it's only gotten worse, you know, here, let's, let's give you some suboxone that'll help you another drug that's very addictive or, or, Hey, you know, let, let's just have you shoot dope right in front of us in case you overdose or better than that. Here is, you know, um, something to help you that if you, uh, overdose, you know, Narcan, then it'll just bring you back to life. We'll give you all the Narcan you need so that you don't die on the streets. You know, this harm reduction mm. thing, it's foolishness. It, it, it's just as messed up as what we're watching in the show. And it, and and something that jumped out to me too is how did they start to, you know, these investigators, these attorneys, when people started dying and the numbers were increasing, that's when they started doing an investigation to try to get something changed because something was wrong. Well, the numbers the last few years have almost doubled. Are they doing investigations and questioning whether something's wrong? Or are they just going to keep doing the same old thing? And so it makes me think that Purdue is nothing. What's really going on? Bigger than Purdue Pharma. It's bigger than, you know, all of that. It, it's really the power of the the prince of the power of this world and and um feeding our own desires. And people choose what they want. So you know, for you and I to say, well, um, it is a moral issue. It is a sin issue. They People don't want to hear that. So they want to hate on people like you and I and say, we're the haters because they believe it's a medical problem. It's not a moral problem. It's a, you know, it's an external problem. It's not an internal heart problem. Everybody's good. And so we're not trying to be good. We're trying to be well. They're trying to make it a medicalized issue when it's a spiritual issue it's a heart issue and and there's only one highest power and that's the lord jesus christ and so to say you know the 12 steps is one pathway to god well i mean it's it's a false religion and i can't i can't not say that anymore i've mm -hmm. tried to be generous and nice to those folks and i have friends in the aa 12 step world and and uh, and god bless them but when you say that any god will do and that any, you know, it, it's a false religion, a false spiritual message of, and there's no hope in that. And, and, um, and I, and I'm reading articles lately. I just wrote a couple of booklets that should be out like in the spring or, or, uh, spring or summer of this year. And, and, you know, it just hits me more and more how people are caught up in wanting hope and, and the, the, I read this article and it said the government has sent $1.6 trillion to battle the addiction crisis. And that gives us hope. And I'm like, there's no hope in that. I mean, money, money doesn't change the heart. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit alone. And I've been telling people, I even said this Monday night in my family group that consequences alone don't change the heart. That's a wrong statement to say, Oh, your consequences are going to change your drug addict's heart. It's the Holy Spirit that changes the heart. Now, God might use those consequences as a tool, sure, mm -hmm. but it's the Holy Spirit that works. It's not you hit rock bottom. That's just junk. And so there's so many lies. That's why we're trying to bring truth to a very confusing, complicated issue called addiction, which really has been supersized, medicalized, 
and in and in lots of ways, um, that's just wrong. We're saying it's a sin issue, and it's pretty simple. And I, I know people critique that. I was telling Mary, I was like, we need to be people. People say all the time, "Oh, that guy. Did you read that story about that guy? What he did? He's crazy." Or that girl. There was a woman that uh, went in. She uh, there. The mother had two babies, uh, just cute little boys, five months old, something like that. She goes in. She's working for DoorDash. She's she's hustling. She's making a living. Goes inside, waits on the food, leaves the babies in the car. It's cold, and you know, this lady jumps in the car, takes the takes the car to Columbus, Ohio, and over ends up getting arrested in Indianapolis. Thankfully, both kids were alive. I mean, it's just a miracle they didn't die. Um, that's God's grace. But people will say, oh, she's crazy or she has mental health issues. You know what she was? She was a sinner. She was stubborn. And if we start talking about sin rather than all this psychological diagnosis, this and that, which I really believe when it, when it comes down to it on psychological diagnoses, a lot of times it's just stubbornness. It's just plain old stubbornness. That's what's driving. And so people are trying to explain the stubborn will, the, which is rooted in pride, by saying they're mentally ill. They have this disorder or that disorder and this thing and that thing wrong with them. It's just sin. It's just stubbornness. It's pride. And so the more we talk about that, the more people are going to hate that. But we're calling them to repent because there's, there's freedom. There's hope. There's victory in Jesus Christ. And God's given us that message. Absolutely. I went on a... A mini sermon there. Sorry, I'll let you talk. Oh, that's good. That was super good. Keep it coming. Preach it. Um, there was another part that um, I wanted to talk about, and it was it was right after Betsy sells the stuff at the pawn shop, and it it, it switches scenes to Purdue and their their meeting together, and it, it goes from like here she is selling herself and her mom's wedding ring, and then it switches to their conversation with. How are we going to make more money? Like we got to ramp this thing up. And it was a great picture of people that have tons of influence, tons of money, tons of power, obviously. And this is their heart behind what they're doing. They don't care. They just want power, less of the flesh, less of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. That's what they're operating in. That's all they're operating in. But what this yeah. made me think of is, um, and especially after these last two years, the last few years with the election and COVID and all this stuff, that we can't, you can't put your trust in men. And the, mm. and the Bible is really, really clear about that. I mean, it, Jeremiah 17, 5 says, cursed is the man who makes flesh his strength. Cursed. Cursed is mm. the man who makes flesh his strength. So you think Purdue and pharmacies and, and big pharma, that they're going to deliver us from our problems? You're going to be cursed if that's what you believe. Right. We'll be cursed. And then Psalm yeah. 146, 3 says it really well. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. There's none. Mm. His spirit mm. departs. He returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. How blessed versus being cursed, mm -hmm. you know? And there's right. a verse I wanted to share about this and it's uh psalm 46 verse 1 god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble so the answer is we gotta go to the one who can actually save 
don't go to man who is living for the world and 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 chases after the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. They're they're children of wrath. They're really mm-hmm. living for self. They are building up their own kingdom, and you are just a means to getting what they want. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you got to go to the Lord. He's the one who's actually going to rescue you, and he rescue you, and he made a way for that to happen through his son and his work yeah. on the cross. And so that's the message that we want to scream out, you know, at Damascus house and in our community in the Seattle area is kind of in a way being, you know, what John the Baptist was a voice crying out in the wilderness, mm. make a way for the Lord. And so Amen. I thought that was a, that was a key thing that jumped out to me in the, in the film there was, was mm-hmm. don't trust men. Don't put your trust in presidents or elections, or big pharma, or all that stuff, it's always going to do you wrong. Don't put your trust in your wife or your kids. We have to trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the show is trying to drive us to Randy and Rick and Bridget, these district attorneys and the DEA. Bridget works for the DEA to try and stop Purdue Pharma before it's too late. And you and I are saying... Okay, that's a great theme, makes for good television, but there's a bigger enemy, and it's it's Satan and the world system and our own flesh that wants what the world has to offer, like you read in First John 2. And then the the bigger uh savior, the 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 good guy is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it, and that's it. The rest of us. You you can't put your hope in that. So that, that was well stated. Very good. And and they're yeah, they're they're trying to push agendas left and right and messaging. And it's just worldly messages. And that's why I think it's important we do this and talk about this, is we're critiquing the messages, the ideas in this. You know, a lot of people get mad at me for critiquing 12 steps and that kind of thing. Well, I'm just critiquing the message. I'm critiquing what they're saying. I'm not critiquing anything that I don't like about it because we have the gospel message and the Bible, which you've quoted a bunch of scriptures that point to the hope we have in Jesus, which is is, is where we want to go with this. It, it's love and, and being ambassadors of love. And what you're seeing on the screen is like with the Sackler family, pursuit of, of more money, you know, at the... You know, and poor Betsy is portrayed, you know, she's doing all this. The extent of her addictive choices is taking her to places that are very dark. Dr. Phoenix, the same thing with the Michael Keaton character. And um, and we have a message of hope that don't you wish that you could get a chance, like if Betsy were real or Dr. Phoenix, for them to come to your place and you get a chance to speak into their lives and give them a real message and real hope. They might reject it. But if the spirit's working and they they accept, wow! Don't oh. you wish that? I I watch it and I think, give me ten minutes with them, you know. Just uh, you know, of course, it's not me. It's yeah. nothing I would say, but just give me a chance to share the real message, the hope of the gospel, because that's where the spirits at work. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about this the other day that it, it saddens me that people are perishing, like choosing to perish, choosing. But it mm-hmm. angers me that people are being led towards destruction. Yeah. Very different. You know, I have a compassion for those that are lost, that are that are struggling, and they go to another clinic and another clinic and another clinic until, yeah, you can't help right. it. 
dad, it's your mom, and it's because you had a bad upbringing or this and that, and and here, let's right. help you. They are being lied to and led towards destruction. And so what I love about a, these places and the Addiction Connection and, and just ministry is sharing the truth with people. And at the end of the day, choose. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Like I can go to sleep at the end of the day and saying, you know what? I, I am sad because I don't want you to perish. And I want you, and I know that you have every opportunity in the world for everything in your life to change, everything. And to mm -hmm. be effective, to win others over, not just you change, but now you're a part of the laborers for the harvest, you know? And I've seen that mm -hmm. over and over again. I've watched so many men over the years complete transformation their husbands and their sons and they're preaching the gospel and they're amazing people you know and i love being a part of something like that but what we do here is we provide an opportunity do you want it or not you want to keep on yeah. following after like in joshua 24 you want to chase after you know the gods of your fathers go for it but as for me and yeah. my house we're going to serve the lord and i love every every person needs an opportunity to choose that's kind of where this whole thing ends. I mean, after we, we've talked about a lot of it, Richard Sackler becomes president of Purdue Pharma. Maureen, uh, Sarah gets back on drugs. She can't testify. You're starting to wonder, like, who's going to step up? Who's going to join them? And then Billy, the sales rep, he he confesses to Dr. Phoenix what he had said that was a lie. And Phoenix is in rehab. And the doctor asks Billy which is, this is Michael Keaton's character asking Billy, the sales rep, can you, can you get me some pills? You know? And it's like, yeah. it's so, wow. Sad. I didn't think it could get yeah. any worse. I was ready for this to turn around, but it is, yeah, it is so sad. And it's what you're saying. You're presenting people with an opportunity and here he's got an opportunity. Yes. He's not really hearing the gospel and he's not really hearing truth. But he's got an opportunity to go a different direction. And instead of like, oh, Billy, I'm I'm glad you confessed that. I forgive you. Hey, can you score me some more pills? It's like, wow. Yeah. So sad. Well, and the neat part about that is, and I love this, that, and again, this is just a show. It's fictional. You know, it's based off mm -hmm. events that took place. But the way that they portray these characters, I think, is is real. You know, when I look at Billy and him confessing to this doctor. He drove all this way. He's just a sales rep. And he comes right. in, like he's he's weeping that he lied, knowing that this guy's wife passed away and he he took uh, advantage of him in order to make a sale. And he that's a hard thing to fess up to. Oh, and, man. You know, yeah. In other words, he, he's like almost in the beginnings of maybe repentance. And, yes. and then the doctor's like, Billy, I didn't call you here to make you quit your job. And, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, he's being kind to him. And then he's like, you think he could get me some pills? And you're like, what in the, are you kidding me right now? It's so sad, mm. but it's even oh. as much as it's sad for the doctor. I actually felt really sad for Billy because there was a mm. softening of his heart going on where he's actually making a turn out of the sale rep sales rep position where he's like, I'm done with this. And yet, oh, I guess it's not a big deal. You know, so yeah, that was, it was an interesting scene to watch. That was heart wrenching. That that part part of it that we're sad for Billy because this was a genuine moment, a genuine thing, a genuine turn, or the beginnings of it. And then he's just sort of like, it's just like that's not even important. And that that truly is what is most important in this whole scene. 
and it maybe even the whole episode and it's just like squashed down because of selfishness and lack of love uh yeah ah yeah 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 what other uh things in this episode that we might not have hit um did you want to talk about before we wrap up well the last thing that i would say is behind everything that's going on in this episode it made me think of this there's a trojan horse there's a trojan mm. horse in this episode that nobody's talking about nobody's identifying mm. because it's, it's a worldly show that it is you know like going back yeah. to the reality of all the characters in there and, and a lack of boldness for the gospel for the one believer maybe that's in the show or other than the parents you know things like that but the trojan yeah. horse is this that the problem is out there not in here mm. and yeah. we are all yeah. a trojan horse walking around with our fingers yeah. pointed out it's my parents it's the government it's big pharma it's all these and granted there are evil things going on out there so it's not that there's influences but the the yeah. main issue the our main our biggest struggle is self itself and that that's complete yeah. opposite of what the world is saying they said you know as far as the ego goes you need to have more pride it's all about you. Mm-hmm. That's what a what a yeah. dangerous um, thing to preach to people. Um, so I thought, um, just kind of concluding on what I just said about that, that the important part about this is if we don't get, you want to start talking about diagnosis. If we don't get the diagnosis right, then the prognosis is going to be wrong as well. And it's wasted right. resources. It's wasted effort. And not only wasted it's actually taking people in backwards. It's taking them in the wrong yeah. direction, you know? And I, I feel like, could you imagine if we spent $2 trillion on starting biblical discipleship programs, what that would do? Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, like you would see transformed yeah. lives all over the place, you know? And one thing I do love yeah. that's going on here is, um, you know, the correctional system and, and courts and things in this area, you know, we, I, I talk to attorneys and judges and they're, they're ref- starting to refer guys from the Seattle correctional facility to us. That's pretty amazing. Wow. It's pretty amazing. So yeah. I'm thankful that the Lord is working in that way. He's so kind and so faithful. Um, but yeah, we, we got to get the right diagnosis. The right diagnosis is that we are fallen. Yeah. We are sinners. We live in a fallen world and, and we need a savior. The prognosis is Jesus. He is the only answer. There's nothing else, you know, and and when I watch men and women find that out and come to that that truth on their own, that everything changes in their lives. Everything. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, that's that's it. That's the ending right there. We're going to wrap <laughs> it right there. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's. The, the, that's the crux. That's the difference in our message versus what's out there. And I I do want to say one thing. Bill Hines, Dr. Bill Hines, Leaving Yesterday Behind is his book. That I love. He's got Curing the Heart and some others. And he and I have some booklets together, Pursuit of Perfection and so forth. He, um, he uses the analogies like there's Satan and the world system, and they're coming to rob the bank. But the reason they can rob the bank is our flesh, our internal desires, what you just talked about. Our internal desires are, are, are like the teller at the bank that leaves the back door unlocked so that Satan and the world system can rob us. So there are influences. They're there to destroy us and rob the bank. 
but our own fleshly desires that connect with that with them enable them to do the harm. And so the Trojan horse you talked about, it's this outward thing. These organizations, Purdue Pharma, they're the bad guys. They need to be brought down and they're ruining lives. Well, how about the the heart issues that drive that? And it's beyond addiction like you talked about. It's not just even an addiction issue. That's one set of sins in the Bible, drunkenness. They're the angry men and women who destroy their families with sinful anger. There are uh, anxious, ridden people who don't trust and know Christ and are so afraid of all this stuff, you know, on and on and on and on. And and drunkenness, idolatry, it's just one subset of sins in the Bible, but it's our desires in our heart. 1 John 2, 15, 16, uh, right in there talks about that and and uh that's what connects us to this and so mm-hmm. you you nailed it I, I love how what you just said because that's really that's really it amen praise god we will continue on with this series and maybe try to uh strong arm oliver into joining us again before this is over so but if not we'll get him on another podcast so stay tuned for that but thank you oliver for what you do and and your your love for Christ and just staying firm on the message. There's not many out there doing it. Um, it's not just us too. We know we have a network with the Addiction Connection. If people want to join our network, email us and, and we'll be happy to talk to you about that. And, and Oliver's precious wife, Lisa, helps uh, lead and manage and organize our commissioning process, which is picking up more people wanting to be commissioned, which is good. Uh, creates a little more work for me, but it's good. Uh, I'd rather that than to be bored, you know, so um, so that's good. But we we want this message, the hope of the gospel, to get out there to everybody. So, um, so I know Oliver shares that. So thanks for joining us. Take care and God bless.